Welcome to the Agility Narratives podcast. We're kicking off this podcast series on the community book. Our working title is The Agility Narratives. We're holding a space where, as a community, um, we can listen to leading change makers and enterprise leaders about the narratives on agility that they hold. As a leader, I've also got a narrative on agility and realized that so many others do. So we wanted to hold a space where change makers and leaders, each of them with their own individual narratives can co-create together and see where that takes us. Satesh, co-hosting this, this podcast, initiated this idea for the community book. And I'm very thankful for his support and advice as we built this out. Satesh is a business leader with 20, uh, 26 plus years of experience in the technology industry. He's led many large consulting and transformation programs in the agile world. He's been a, a key contributor to the design of distributed agile delivery model. He is now the CEO of in Infomap Solutions, a boutique ITIS company, and also advises multiple startups as a board member. Welcome, Satish. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Each show will talk to a change maker or enterprise leader and talk to them about their journey with agile and agility. This is about their personal journey as advocates of change. So let's meet our first guest uh, on the Agility Narrative show, Alok Unitel. Satesh, you've worked with Alok and know him for many years. Please, could you introduce him? Thank you, Martin. It's a pleasure being on this uh, panel with you and Alok. Um, Alok and I go a long way back uh, in Infosys. Uh, uh, Alok is a senior leader and head of enterprise consulting group at Infosys. He's a seasoned IT professional with rich experience in IT consulting and transformation. Uh, I have seen him from close quarters, uh, uh, advising customers and adopting new ways of working, leveraging lean, DevOps, Agile, Design Thinking, etc. towards greater business agility and resilience. Uh, he is somebody who is hands-on, who gets involved in the programs and helps achieve the outcomes of the transformation programs. And it's a pleasure to have him here on this uh, discussion. Thanks, Martin and Satish, for this opportunity and great to be joining you on this, uh, on this panel. Thank you, Alok. So let's kick this off. Let's start with some definitions. Uh, how would you define the word agile and the word agility? And what do these words mean to you? I think agile is more about, you know, the methods, tools, techniques, and the mindset uh, that actually helps you to, you know, respond quickly to the changes and demands uh, of your environment. Uh, in some sense, agile is the means to attaining agility. And agility, in my view, is, is a... Is a, is a more overarching ability of an enterprise, you know, your ability to sense and respond quickly to changes, uh, ability to adapt to dynamic environment, and, and not just like respond, I think it's also about being able to foresee the change that's going to happen and, and you know, take action. So that, that's how I kind of view uh, agile and agility. I just want to add one more you know, view, and that is that we often speak about being agile and doing agile, right? Context of agile. So while being agile definitely leads you to agility, but you know, if you just do agile, it will not really get you to that agility the way I, right. I kind of described it. Agile is like the toolbox and agility right. is the outcome. Yeah. Yes. 
Thank you for that definition. That really helps. So I'm interested in your origin story with Agile. So how did you first come across it? What was that experience like? What did you most appeal to you in terms of Agile? And what was the challenge that stood out for you at that time? Yeah, I think it's very interesting the way I got initiated in this whole Agile journey. It was way back in 2001, 2002. And uh, I used to work for some other company at that time. And we had a senior stakeholder visiting us, one of our client stakeholders from a large European bank. And, uh, you know, they in, in, in that bank, they were trying to drive multiple initiatives. So they were trying to implement CMM. They were also trying to implement uh, DSDM, Dynamic System Development Methodology, which is kind of an early avatar of you know, the multiple iterative methodologies which came out. And they were also trying to, I think, uh, drive some balanced scorecard kind of stuff. And uh, till that time, I had not even heard of DSDM. We wanted a viewpoint on how do you really bring all these three things together in, in an enterprise? Because obviously he was getting challenged and that was the time when I heard about this DSDM and I obviously did a, just a quick read up before I went to that. But logically, I was trying to figure out what it is. And then, of course, I you know presented to that gentleman and he somehow liked it. And he said, why don't you come over to Europe? And before I knew that in, in, in a week's time, I was on a flight and I was I landed on a cold <laughs> evening. It was the month of December. <laughs> you can imagine how Europe is in December. So I was there and the very next day I, I was in the bank and I started you know, talking to various stakeholders. Uh, so yeah, so DSDM, that is the first time I got into this whole DSDM thing and I started looking at it and uh, I found a few things which were quite interesting. So when I got into this engagement with this client in Europe, uh, of course, you know, so, so obviously, I mean, DSDM was very new. There was a lot of skepticism as well. Uh, but there are certain things about that whole thing I liked a lot, you know, the, you know, your ability to prioritize time box, prototyping, uh, strong orientation towards outcomes, right? Because yeah. uh, there was, that came out very strongly and that kind of resonated very well with me. But at the same time, I also realized that it's not so easy to implement, which I sensed when I started working with the teams. And I, I used to come across, uh, you know, various reasons why it is not uh, possible, right? The typical, you know, mindset related issues. But nevertheless, I think it gave me you know, the conviction and confidence also that this is something which can actually help enterprises in elevating all the pain that they typically go through when they're running these large waterfall kind of programs, you know, delayed projects, investments being written off, et cetera, et cetera. So, so post my engagement uh, with this particular client, I came back to India and then I got into a kind of different role. I was more into that internal you know, process leader kind of a role where I was managing internal processes. For the organization and when i was in the internal process function i realized that there was this constant struggle with sales and delivery you know having to justify the need for all these internal processes and controls people used to talk about yeah we need to be agile but beyond that people uh, didn't have a clue as to what does it really mean i mean agile was more of a verb right i mean that you need to be agile but <laughs> what does it really entail so that's something which kind of i you know i saw that struggle and, and that role also gave me a good insight into what are the typical challenges on the ground, right? When you try to bring in any change in the organization, because if you were to bring in agile, obviously it requires a lot of change management. So I think that in some sense was a good grounding for me to understand the various complexities, various aspects of driving a change in an enterprise. And that also kind of prepared me for my next role where I moved in completely into a consulting kind of a role. 
So there I was working more closely with clients, initially advising them more on uh, IT efficiency and IT effectiveness. And, and uh, so that again was, you know, that also uh, opened me up to the realities of an enterprise. What are the various complexities and challenges, typically around various dimensions, you know, people related, process related, uh, tools and technology related. So, so that also kind of then helped me to then figure out, okay, these are the challenges and this is here is a traditional way of working, which is very sequential, waterfallish, et cetera. And here is now uh, a new way of doing things. So how does this all come together? So what is the potential this new way of working offers? So that kind of led to a lot of uh, reflection and ideation and also firmed up my, my own thinking and thoughts and beliefs as to what is feasible and what is not feasible. Because I also realized that Agile is not a silver bullet. It will not obviously solve all the problems of the enterprise. But yes, it would definitely, you know, alleviate some of the pain that they typically uh, go through. Uh, very interesting journey, Alok. Uh, uh, good to see uh, how you transition from your earlier role to an agile leader now. So that's a great journey. So uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, how, how do you balance the internal controls with external delivery in this uh, uh, kind of role that you played and do you remember one thing that worked really well at that time any specific challenge see one thing which which always worked well satish was the moment you talked in terms of metrics or kpis because otherwise things are very abstract i can say yeah you know you need to uh, value delivery so what does value delivery mean so one is more from a customer uh, standpoint and one is from an internal standpoint so I, I realized that the moment uh, your conversation, your discussions are more fact-based, data-driven, uh, where you are talking more in terms of uh, metrics and what is the potential impact on the metrics when you implement a certain process or a control. So your ability to articulate the value in terms of some KPIs and metrics, that helped in, in some of those conversations. Uh, and, and that also kind of helped in articulating why a particular process or an internal control is needed to enable a certain goal or objective that we have committed to a customer. So that, that I thought went well. In terms of challenge, so see, uh, the challenge always was, I think, more from a people standpoint, the whole mindset thing. So even from an internal process perspective, I realized that a lot of times people were just following the process without even thinking what they're doing. The process was actually having a negative impact. It had, it had created a well-regimented way of working and that way of working was wrong because maybe the process did not get revised, you know, because enterprise context changed, the context yeah. of a customer changes, but the process remained static and uh, which is where I saw there was a big challenge and acted as an impediment. Yeah, many a times uh, agile would mean having daily stand-ups and writing user stories and uh, having the boards with lots of writing on that, right? So I can appreciate what you mean, Alok. Thank you for that. So, so let's let's uh, let's move uh, the um, the topic on um, and start talking about uh, today and and what your agility story is. You've given us great context to that. Um, 
So I know labels aren't helpful, um, but indulge me just here a little bit. Uh, do you see your, your role more as a change maker responsible helping clients move the needle on innovation and agility or more as a, an agile leader responsible for the delivery of agile practices? Great question, Martin. So, uh, so I actually see myself more as a change maker, an influencer, uh, helping clients to drive agility to realize business outcomes. I mean, not doing agile just for the sake of it. I'm a very strong believer that, you know, all these are means to achieving your outcomes. Today, yeah. it could be agile. Tomorrow, it could be something else. So I see mo myself more as a change maker and influencer. I can see the the organization that you're talking about and in, in some of the internal processes as, as, as you've described them as fairly fixed and you've, you've described yourself as a, as a change maker. So let's talk about your agility narrative. In your narrative, who is the protagonist? Who is that central character? Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a character, and a, a stakeholder. It could be a relationship, a, an attitude. Please introduce us to, uh, to them. Okay. Let me think. Nobody has ever asked me that question. So, so I think in my view, in, in, in my world or the way I would have, I would like to look at it is my central protagonist would be, would be a trait called customer centricity. Customer centricity is the central protagonist. And there's a reason why I'm saying it's central. I mean, customer centricity, because at the end of the day, whatever work we do in the enterprise, within the teams, et cetera, it's all for delivering something to an internal or an external customer. And the reality, of course, is and very unfortunate that at times, you know, the team complete loses complete sight of the protagonist. And, and that's the reason why we end up in situations where customer says, yeah, this is not what I expected. I wanted. That's a, that's a very strong protagonist. Thank you. Introduce us to when things work well, what's working well and why. And, you know, maybe a given, give us an illustration of, of what that felt like. Yeah, I think, uh, and I'm just trying to answer that question in relation to, you know, some of the cases that I've come across you know, while working with customers. I think where the things work well is when you have, you know, uh, a fair clarity on, the, on what you're trying to do. Uh, what is it that you want to uh, deliver as an outcome? So if it is in the context of a large transformation program, there is clarity in terms of what are the specific business goals or KPIs that you really want to impact through this program. And that understanding is pretty much cascaded down to the team level, right? So everybody identifies to true north in that, in right. that sense. So that's one. The second thing, uh, which uh, in an in a ideal world or and in some of the successful cases, which worked well was a very good collaboration across different uh, groups as well as within teams, minimal friction and, and conflicts, people uh, very openly discussing issues threadbare. So I've, I've been part of certain programs for clients in the US and I recall one of the clients and it was an insurance client, in fact, Satish, uh, in, in the US and a pretty mature agile shop, very mature. I mean, they were one of the, in fact, uh, leaders and I found a very different kind of an environment there. And uh, some of these traits which I'm talking about are pretty evident. The other thing, of course, is when the competencies in the team are there. At the end of the day, it's all about people. And, you know, you have to have the right set of uh, competencies. And, of course, the mindset as well. Last but not the least, you had the leadership 
which was walking the talk on servant leadership. It was not just lip service. The leader was actually uh, demonstrating all that which was being talked when it came to demonstrating agile behavior and agile leadership. That's a lovely picture you've built of uh, alignment, collaboration, high competency, and strong servant leadership. In the 2019 Pune Agile Unconference, you were a keynote speaker talking about the business impact of Agile. You outlined a number of patterns of success, and your basic message really helped inspire this podcast series. Tell us more about those key messages that you had around the success of Agile and and where you saw the gaps. I'll I'll just highlight a few of those patterns, and I still recall that particular conference that you are referring to. So I think the first thing is, and I referred to this in my earlier response, clarity of vision, goals, a sense of purpose. What as an enterprise do you stand for? And I'll give you an example. If you look at, I mean, basically it's answering the question, what is your purpose? If you ask an enterprise, what is their purpose? If you look at Toyota today, how does Toyota define its uh, whatever purpose or mission? It says that it wants to lead the future mobility society, enriching lives around the world with safest and the most responsible ways of moving people. And just imagine, they're not saying that we want to be the biggest global auto manufacturer or they want to dish out so many cars, etc. But they're saying, no, we want to be a mobile solutions provider. We want to you know, help uh, society to be more mobile and provide them with very safe and responsible ways of, you know, transportation. And as part of the same statement, they also called out three things which will get them their commitment to quality, ceaseless innovation and uh, respect for planet. So they brought in the sustainability. So these are things which it's a higher purpose thing. And I, re- I find that when an enterprise talks at that level, people connect to that within the company and outside as well. But I'm talking here about people within the company. So that was one example. Likewise, Telstra, uh, leading telco from Australia, their vision is to become a world-class technology company that empowers people to connect. So again, they're very clear. They want to be a world-class technology company and they want people, they want to empower people to connect uh, through their solutions, etc. And likewise, if you look at Tesla's mission, right? So Tesla says that it wants to accelerate world's transition to sustainable energy. Now, they're not saying they're going to be the biggest manufacturer of electric cars. So what I'm trying to say is that the why of an enterprise has to be called out very clearly. That, I think, is a starting point to my mind. And then, of course, the question, why the need for agility? So, So can we distill it down to a few goals or KPIs that, okay, my goal is to enhance the customer experience, which should be reflected in my net promoter score or something, being more specific and, and coming up with something measurable to, to which people can relate to. So which, which is where I've seen a lot of times a gap. You talk to certain CXOs, they want to do agile, but then you ask them, okay, why do you want to be agile? And, and, and they, yeah, they'll say, yeah, we want to deliver faster to the market. But then again, it has to go beyond that. So that's the first one, I think, which is a very important thing. The second important pattern for success is Rather, the question that one needs to ask, do you know your customer? Organizations which talk in terms of customer journeys, which talks in terms of user journeys, personas, empathy mapping, they are the ones who probably are able to successfully go down this path. So that's the second one. The third one is, uh, of course, the fact that uh, whatever agile practices and frameworks that you decide to leverage or use they have to be contextual to the context of the enterprise. I find a lot of times that people just 
pick up some buzzwords or some framework and then they are more uh, focused on implementing the framework rather than trying to make the framework work for them in realizing their goals right? so we should not get caught in that kind of a situation information radiators again going back to the my point around data driven conversation again it's very important you need to take a data first approach uh, in your decisions and how you are monitoring the progress of your initiatives and here i'm reminded of deming's quote we trust in god and risk bring data so i think that has to be the guiding principle for the enterprises uh, amazon by the way does a very pretty good job on that amazon is very very metrics driven you know uh, organization in that sense and last but not the least the whole people uh, and culture aspect which i think is the most important aspect of this of this whole drive towards agility so that's where it comes unstuck if you do not address the people aspects in terms of how you are uh, not only making them aware on the need for change but also how you are enabling and equipping them to cope up with that change giving them the necessary tools and resources so they are prepared to deal with the uncertainty and and the, and the kind of ambiguity which comes in with it when any change is driven in an organization so these are some of the things uh, martin which i which i believe are the key to success to move forward. So th- thank you for uh, a lot from that. You've gone right from the, the why right down into the specifics of, of culture change. My takeaway from what you said at the conference was, I think I felt you had thrown down the challenge to the, to the Agile community uh, to work together to, to look at underlying constraints so that the business can get consistent results, not, not just the isolated case studies that you were talking about. And, and I, I can see that your framework helps with that. So we, we took up the ch- this challenge and hope that the agility narratives can become part of the forum for that, for the conversation for this community. So in terms of external conversations that happen uh, around underlying constraints, how do different stakeholder groups verbalize them today? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So see the underlying constraints the way i see it right because as a consultant typically you are an external who is going into an enterprise so you get yeah. to see a, an outside view of what's really happening yeah. in the enterprise i think the constraints typically are there is a constraint related to organizational structure purely right i mean yeah. how organizations are structured we all know that value flows horizontally across you know different functions but then everyone is trying to focus on their specific goals and kpis specific to their particular function so they're trying to optimize their own area of work and that leads to a kind of a global decay right of the end to end value chain so that's the first constraint and and how this manifests so for example i still recall a lot of times when we are talking to say a cxo or cio and we start discussing and we ask them okay so what do you so so the first thing they, the, the person would say is that you, know, you guys need to drive alignment i mean they would tell us as a consultant the moment yeah. you hear that that alignment is nothing but trying to bring these different uh, towers in themselves coming together so and then then often i've i've been told or i've been asked by cxos that as a consultant you guys should build a coalition for us so these are again manifestations of you know what is the the underlying constraint which they may not they obviously they will not say it in so many words so that's number one the second constraint is related to the middle management middle management is not a constraint don't get me wrong it's just that middle management is caught in a fire so as to speak and the reason i say that is 
So the top management says, okay, we need to do this. We need to be agile. We need to drive this initiative. People on the ground, people at the team level, the squads, the scrum teams, they want to do it. They love this way of working. Now the middle management is caught in between because they not only have to deliver the ongoing change initiatives, the core of their work, but they also now have to drive this change. They have to implement the diktat which has come from the top. They also have to meet the aspirations and expectations of people on the ground because, and, but they are caught in between and they are not, they have not been suitably enabled to, to, to do this. There is confusion in their mind as to what's in it for me, what happens to, you know, to my role. They also sense, uh, so there is a perceived loss of power because Agile is also about flattening the uh, hierarchies, empowering the teams a lot. So, so what do I as a manager or as a, as a middle manager manager really do? <laughs> Where do I fit in this whole new model? So these are some of the things which uh, I find are typical constraints. Of course, there are some other constraints which are more related to, you know, there's a hard constraints around technology, etc. because it's easy for me to say that you need to be an agile organization. But when I start constructing the teams and when I start composing the different uh, scrum teams, I find that their underlying systems are their monolith systems. They are their legacy systems, which makes it very difficult to, you know, deliver value incrementally, frequently. So those are some of the things, and those constraints are getting elevated also today because of all these microservices, APIs, and the cloud ecosystem. But yeah, I mean, in short, that's that's those are some of the constraints, and uh, you know how they came across in in, in some of our in yeah. my experience. I'm sure you would have also dealt with internal stakeholder constraints as well, right? Uh, look, it's not just the external constraints, uh, external stakeholder constraints. So for leaders, teams, and coaches, uh, what what are those unspoken needs? What concerns may be discussed in private and not openly talked yeah. about? Yeah. And how, how do these internal stakeholders uh, feel inside? I'm sure they must be... Um, a, a lot of uh, unspoken words about their feelings as well. So please throw some lights on that as well. So you take any enterprise, uh, most of these people would have experienced many change initiatives as part of their professional career in an enterprise. Some, some would have succeeded, some would have failed. So firstly, what I find that uh, the first response, which they may verbalize maybe informally, but they may not speak out in, in a formal forum is that, yeah, we have seen a lot of changes happen in the enterprise, but you know, what's new? This is, uh, it, it looks good on paper, but reality is very different in our enterprise. So that's a typical response, right? Whether they talk about it or not. So that's number one. Uh, and probably part of it is also related to some of their bad experiences with the past change initiatives, right? So they've seen a lot of change initiatives come in and, and uh, dying out and therefore there is a level of there's a level of skepticism in uh, their thinking so that's number one uh, number two is uh, an unfortunate this is very unfortunate actually so I've seen a lot of our clients uh, enterprises that one leader would start an initiative and then there would be before you know in six months time nine months time there is a org change there is a new structure in place then we a new leader who would come in and the new leader will try to reshape what the earlier leader had started. And imagine this happening every nine months. And you, you can imagine the plight of the person on the ground. 
because uh, before they stabilize and try to align with something, there is a slight change in direction. So again, some of these things do not come out very openly, but uh, they are there at the back of the mind. I also I also realize that while people do get the need for the change, uh, but it's just that the proposed change sometimes can be very overwhelming for them. And, and that also creates a kind of a mental barrier or a block. So some of these things have to be, they don't come out very openly. Either you have to really ask some very specific questions and then have a very you know, open discussion. And the reason why these don't come out is because they see, they don't see a safety net in the enterprise, which would, where even if they speak about these fears or these, these barriers in their minds, they know that they will not be kind of penalized. Thanks, Alok. That's good. Very well articulated, I would say. Yeah. Alok, what would you say uh, your theme of your agility narrative? How would you, why would you pick that theme and and what would it be? I think my uh, theme would still be related to that central protagonist, what I said earlier, uh, customer centricity. And, And the reason is that as I said earlier, that if you so the whole objective is that you need to deliver value, which means you, you should have a very seamless view of what is that value chain or that what is that value stream which is delivering that value as perceived by the customer. So the value obviously has to be in terms of what the customer wants. And and therefore, if agile is all about driving faster business value, then customer centricity has to get into the DNA of everything that we do in the enterprise. Now, it's very easy to say that. Everybody will say that, yeah, we are very customer-centric. But if you take a closer look at the operating models of many enterprises, that customer-centricity does not necessarily get reflected in that because of, as I said, that lot of siloed structures and lack of collaboration, etc. In in that narrative, who are and what are the villains? Who's the guy who's constraining the process? Not person but uh, like who would you call out as as the bad guy the the villain in in this narrative the villains i guess there are many villains (laughs) okay so villains for me i'm take it as more like impediments to yes so they act like villains so as i said that uh, the siloed org structure is a villain for sure command and control mindset uh, is a villain because you know that inhibits agile thinking and behavior Agile theorists are villains. So there you'll find in every organization, there are people who are very passionate about Agile. But they but they are very, they've got a very bookish knowledge, very theoretical knowledge of Agile. They are not able to translate into practical implementation. So that's a villain for you, Agile theorists. And then of course, the fact that a lot of time there are multiple initiatives running in the enterprise and there is no synergy. There's a lack of synergy. And that also acts as an impediment or a villain in your terms. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. You talked about uh, the customer centricity being the protagonist and multiple villains, etc. So what are the stakes here, Alok? And for the clients and for the industry, what is at stake? Yes, living through unprecedented times this whole last two years, the pandemic, everyone working remote, enterprises trying to go digital at a very fast pace, a digital revolution, literally annihilating traditional businesses while turning startups into unicorns in quick times. 
that I was just reading a report that uh, the average time to be a unicorn is also coming down, right? From a startup to a unicorn. And uh, while a unicorn took, the average time unicorns took, uh, startups took to be unicorns was seven years. They are taking less than three years to become decacons, which is like, you know, $10 billion evaluation. So, so clearly there is a huge shift which is happening. Enterprises today, they don't know who will be, who will disrupt them, who will disrupt their businesses. Uh, the likes of Amazon and Google literally can walk into any field of business and it's already happening in, in some cases. So if enterprises really need to uh, survive and thrive in this kind of environment where things are changing at a very rapid pace, and of course, technology, I mean, it is also evolving very fast. Enterprises have to make agility a key part of the DNA. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, the ability to sense, adapt and respond quickly is the key to survival in this digital world. In fact, like Peter Drucker said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. So if we, uh, if you just keep on responding to what's happening, that's one part of it. But if you are taking the leap and trying to create the future and changing the rules of the game, that's the key. And to get there, obviously, then agility has to be in your DNA. And without that, you can't do it. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, look, to, to close this conversation, um, imagine you're talking to a group of key stakeholders wanting to move their organization forward, as you describe. And honestly, they feel stuck. And, and you sort of empathize and understand that uh, the difficult position that they're in, the delivery expectations within limited acceptance of failure, the sharing of risk for decisions they really feel on their own. So what's, you know, what, what's going on and, and what would be your call uh, to action for them? See, some of the things which I have seen uh, worked well, I will try to answer this based on that experience. My first advice to them would be to go and meet some organizations who have been on this journey. Of late, I'm finding this become this acts very well because enterprises which have gone through that journey and they have come out successful, that gives conviction to, for example, in this case, this particular group of stakeholders that yes, this, this is doable. And they also get to learn you know, from that other organization as to what are the pitfalls they have to avoid, what are some of the things they need to take care of. So that's point number one. It just kind of opens up to the idea that yes, this is doable. Having done that, my second action for them would be to very clearly articulate the need for change, the why, and what are the, uh, and weigh in the upside and the downside. The upside, if they come become successful, then obviously, you know, how does, how it will impact the organization. And even if they fail, what, what's going to happen? So, so the failure doesn't mean that everything is going to go completely down. Obviously, they would realize something, at least based on whatever I've seen. Failure in this case does not mean that you will you will not realize anything. You probably would progress, but you may not be able to deliver, you know, the complete nine yards of the outcome that you were looking for. So again, so that weighing in the uh, upside and downside in a very transparent manner. And based on that, agreeing upon certain guardrails which need to be established. Because see, the problem always is, Martin, that the fear of any change impacting the in-flight business critical programs that is the fair, right? So nobody wants to disrupt something which is already working well. So how do you establish the necessary guardrails which minimizes the impact to what's already on flight, which is already work in progress? So that would be my third point. 
The fourth would be, of course, uh, the leadership has to create a safety net. The leader has to stand up and you know give that uh, confidence, comfort to team that come what may, if we go down this path, we are in this together. So that kind of a safety net is extremely important for people to be able to take these shared risks, as you uh, mentioned. And last but not the least, the transformation itself has to run in an agile way. Remember, any transformation journey of this nature, it gets into 18 to 20 months or 24 months. A lot can happen in between. So again, if you're going to run the transformation in that waterfallish way in which you have planned out everything for the next two years, and then you start just implementing one by one, that's not going to happen. So you actually have to try break down the whole transformation journey into a series of epics. And that has to be further broken down into a set of sprints. Uh, and that also gives you the ability to inspect and adapt and you can course correct. You know, Maybe things would have changed one year down the line. So that, that would be my advice. So run it in an agile way. I've seen a lot of uh, organizations where they have thought through the whole program for next two years and they want to do agile. So it's a dichotomy, right? I mean, so... <laughs> So that, that would be my advice or call for action, Martin. What are some of the experiments and prototypes that you may add to that set of thoughts? Yeah, I won't say prototypes or experiments, but today what I'm seeing is in the industry, we've been talking a lot about this whole uh, shifting from a project to a product-based mindset, but not much action has happened on the ground. Now I'm seeing that there is a lot of many enterprises, large enterprises, they want to take a very product-centric approach to the way they run their enterprise and, and customer centricity is an integral part of that product-centric approach. So that's something which we are focusing on a lot. We're already working with uh, quite a few enterprises on, on this journey as they try to adopt a very product-centric uh, operating model. So that, that's something which is happening in a big way, Martin. And the other thing, of course, is on the technology side, you know, site reliability engineering is today becoming a very strong and emerging practice in the industry. Remember that Agile and DevOps have focused a lot on the change part of the business where you're delivering changes. Uh, not much was done about when these changes are actually delivered, then how do you sustain and maintain from an application and operations perspective? So site reliability engineering, which has come from the world of Google, is something which is, again, uh, becoming very relevant. And that's, again, an area where we are investing quite a lot. So thank you a lot for, for sharing uh, this amazing agility narrative. You've, you've talked to us about from vision and the big why down to the disciplines of, of KPI monitoring and, and to the creation of safety uh, across the organization and uh, introduce a lot of the disciplines required to be successful in this journey. Thank, thank you very much. We really appreciate you being our, our first guest. My pleasure, Martin and Satish. Wonderful speaking to you on this forum. And I look forward to the future Agile narratives.